December has always been a crucial time to evaluate what we have done and underwent during the past year. It is the lull between the festivities of Christmas and the celebrations of a New Year's Eve. This becomes the moment for reflection, recall, and realizations, a time to switch off from the trappings and tune into the trending. Last year was unprecedented for obvious reasons surrounding a pandemic. This year will be a bridge to unprecedented purposes and the pursuit of an epic harvest. In this episode of Keeper 100, we will hear from across the pond from UK profit innovator Tommy Arayoni. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome to the end of the year and the Keep It 100 Podcast with the Smiths. Come on, can you believe we are at the end of December 2020 and we are days away from the conclusion of 2020 heading straight into 2021. Goodbye, 2020. (laughs) Goodbye. Right? I think we're all like, good riddance. Let's never repeat 2020 again, ever in Jesus' name. And I'm adding Jesus' name because I'm sealing with the blood of Jesus on that. You know, (laughs) coaching the kids and stuff like that. And that era, they got participation trophies. And I was never necessarily a big fan of participation trophies as I addressed it in the earlier podcast. But I have to admit, I think everyone that made it through 2020, you deserve a participation <laughs> trophy. You get a trophy. You get, you get a trophy. trophy. You, get you get a trophy. trophy. Because <laughs> we made it through the toughest year in modern history Ooh. in the recent era. Brutal. But you know, it has made us stronger. Stronger. And we're going to talk about that, which I'm so excited to dive in. But you know, we have to just talk real quick about Christmas. Wasn't it just so good? It was amazing Yeah, to we, have family yes. here. Uh, it was just awesome. You know, whenever you can get together with family, and I know that there are a lot of people, I was talking to a friend of mine in the UK that they're on level four lockdown and they weren't even allowing necessarily people to leave your house to go be with family. So we were blessed. California, we may not be that level of lockdown, but we're a little more locked down than let's say you people in Texas. <laughs> that is very true. So it was true. good to have it was. You know, your mom and dad. Brittany, just to be able to get together with your brother, your sister, and family, and nieces, nephews. Just an amazing time. It really was. It was just like, especially after so much extended quarantine, to get that family time, quality time. All the more, I think we're savoring those moments because they've been so rare in 2020. And so what a great time. And we hope for the Keep It 100 Tribe, as you're listening, that you had a wonderful Christmas with family and friends. And however you chose to spend it, I just pray that it was just as incredible as ours was. And Speaking of having made it, just one interesting fact I want to throw is that they say every single year during Christmas time, decorating your house, either putting it up or taking the decorations down, it sends nearly 15,000 people to the ER every what? year. What are they doing? 15,000. They're putting their lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I don't yeah, know if course. it's like that one movie where the Griswolds and yeah. I think it was Chevy Chase, he kept falling off <laughs> or something <laughs> right. like that. So right. we're saying you survived that. And yeah. we're also saying be super careful taking That's your stuff right. down this That's year. That's true. We don't want anyone else going to the ER. My goodness. You know, we're going to dive in because there's an incredible interview that's awaiting the Keep It Wanted to Try. We are so honored to have our prophet, but most of all, our dear friend from the UK. We love this guy. We had the privilege of ministering alongside him multiple times. His name's Tommy Ariomi, and he heads up Rig Nation. And he's authored several books and he leads a popular YouTube channel also called Rig Nation. You can check that out. But I just want to say we all around just love this guy. He's a great guy. So get ready, keep it 100 tribe. And let's talk about what's coming up in 2021. 
Hey, Keep It 100 listeners, you guys are in for an amazing treat. I've got a, a great friend of mine. I call him a little bro. He's not little in terms of stature. Definitely, I don't call him little as it relates to his anointing and mantle, but just that I'm a uh, a little bit older, got a little more grays in my afro than him. But this is my great, great friend from the UK, uh, Tommy Ariomi. And he is a head of Rig Nation. This guy is a voice all over the world. And we are blessed to have him in. Tommy, what's going on, bro? How you doing? This is Sean Smith. I am so honored to be with you. And I'm glad we got to do a little catch up before we went live. Oh, man. Absolutely, bro. Man, the wife and kids, they're doing good. Wife and kids are doing well. Due date is uh, for the third boy. Um, I feel like we're dropping boys like rappers are dropping albums. But um, the third one one drops in January. So uh, we are nervously excited. I'll leave it at that. Oh, man. You got some handsome boys. And, man, your wife, Tamar, she's beautiful, bro. Just your blessed dude, man. Appreciate that. And so, hey, tell me. How did you first encounter God? Oh, gosh. Um, My first encounter with God started maybe when I was about five years old. And I I grew up in Glasgow. And so I was probably the only black person in existence with a Scottish accent. And grew up just son of a Catholic father and a charismatic mom, which was just a weird mix, you know, seeing my mom praying tongues and my dad kind of, ha, 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 man. And it was just those two different experiences. And they were both very devout in their own way. Um, my parents are doctors and scientists. So um, I grew up in a very science, Christian, Catholic, Pentecostal, weird mixed family. And I was about five years old. I had a uh, a bone disease called rickets and also severe asthma. So I used to spend a lot of my time just sitting out the window and pondering life. And one day I'm sitting out this window and I see a picture of what I now know to be the end times. I see buildings crashing down, planes falling out the sky, all kinds of things. And then I heard these angels singing the song, Oh, When the Saints Go Marching In. And this uh, voice came out from heaven that said, one day you're going to lead my saints in. And that left a really indelible mark upon me as a young boy, uh, made me super spiritually alert, very young. I didn't, I didn't love God. I'd like to say I feared God. Like I, <laughs> I feared God. Wow. You know, uh, um, sin for me was like kiss chase in school. That was sin. You know, it was, <laughs> I, I just always feared God. And so when I was maybe about 15 years old, a woman came and to our school and a student, young 15-year-old girl, preached to my brother and through a long stint, my brother got saved. About 15 years old, we had both failed our exams, my twin brother and I, um, that would determine whether we go into a really good school or a really kind of what you would call a state school, um, we call a comprehensive school. And so um, sat this exam, bearing in mind, and this is prefaced off of the landscape that my parents are doctors, number one, and Nigerian, number two, which any Nigerian out there knows exactly what I mean by that, okay? Uh, I basically mean we bear the stripes of Christ, literally. And so here I am getting ready to sit this exam that would determine whether or not my parents beat the living daylights out of me or they elevate me as as the, the new future valedictorian. And I failed so miserably, I was lucky I was able to spell my name right. I mean, it was just bad. It was, I got a U and U stands for ungradable. 
So oh my goodness. I got ungradable. My brother got ungradable and we're sitting there like, what are we going to do? And I remember sitting on in the back garden and I said, God, if you're real, just tell me or I'm going to kill myself. I mean, I was that low. Not knowing my brother prayed the exact same prayer, whether that was a twin thing or a God thing, the lines are very blurred. That night I had a dream. And in this dream, um, I, the kind of overweight asthma rickets me, crawled through this tiny hole in my house, came out the other side, and I was in this arena, huge stage, far as the eye could see. And, and um, I saw myself, me saw me, but the version of me was taller, didn't have rickets, and apparently didn't appear to be in any way infirm. I was transported onto the stage and I saw these lights going over the thousands of people. And back then, I, I used to want to be a rapper. And so I grew up around oh, the, <laughs> to the Tupacs. And the, so I was the only Scottish black kid listening to Tupac. It was just, I had a weird life. So I'm listening to Tupac and Biggie. And so I thought, this is my rap career. That's what this is. And um, all of a sudden I listened and the crowd was chanting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I was furious. I was like, that's not Jesus on there. That's Tommy on there. <laughs> and then this being of brilliant white light showed up in the corner and he said, my son, you asked me and this is what I've called you to. My I woke up, my twin brother woke up, we turned on the light and we looked at each other. And at the same time, we said, I had a dream. And my mm. brother said, I crawled through a hole in my house. He said, I came out the other side and there was me on the stage and people were chanting Jesus. And I was angry because it was me. And then this being of light said, my son, you asked me and this is what I've called you to. So we had the exact same dream, the exact same time on the exact same night. Wait, that wait, wait. Real exact <laughs> same dream, exact same exact, time. And you guys are in yeah. the same room. In the same room, exact dream, same dream, same night, same time, woke up same time, shared the dream at the same time. And that would be the first of two times that has happened. And it really was the pivotal moment that birthed our hunger for God. Tell me, that is just so out of the box. I love it because I really feel like we're entering in this season. We're, we're in a Joel 2 and we've been in this Joel 2 stretch for a while. But I really feel like there is this acceleration and this, this kind of barrier that's been between the spirit realm and the natural realm, the invisible realm and the visible realm. It's as if, I, I think obviously from God's perspective, it's always been thin, but it's like it, it's thinning as we're advancing. It's like what used to feel like this solid wall is this thin, flimsy membrane. And, you know, even with the, the movement of whether it's a latter rain movement and, and the prophetic gifting, and then you think of those trilogy of books Bill Hammond wrote, and then now the emergence of prophets in which you're you're one of them. And I, I really feel like that level of encounter, that level of revelation is what activates, you know, that prophetic gifting and the office you walk into another level, which kind of leads me to the next question. Yeah. It's pretty evident that early on those prophetic giftings were apparent in your life and you've written about it in your book, uh, Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, and Repeat. W what are some instances where early on the prophetic gifting, or that's a word of knowledge or the gift of prophecy, you had some sort of experience where that became apparent? Okay. When it first became apparent to me, I was probably around 16 years old. I, I got saved off of encounters. So I didn't read the Bible till I was 18. And it was really Creflo Dollar that taught me how to read the Bible. I used to wake up every day, 5 a.m. and watch Creflo Dollar. That was like my my introduction into the theological aspect. I grew up, I got saved and thrown very much into the encounter side. And then God balanced me out later with 
you know, spirit and then truth. And so my first real uh, tangible moment was I, <laughs> I dated a girl. I remember one day I was praying to God. I said, God, I need a wife, you know, 16 years old, right? <laughs> God, I need a wife. And God was like, okay, what do you want? And I love that about God. You know, he just, he was just entertaining me in my childlikeness. And I said, well, I needed to be a twin because I'm a twin. I needed to be the youngest of her twin because I'm the youngest of my twin. But I needed to have blonde hair and blue eyes. And all of a sudden, it was like a month. I met this girl in my school and she was a twin the youngest of her twins, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I was like, God, this thing works. You know, I wrote this list and here she is. And I didn't, I just started dating her like straight away. And we had one of those, um, I don't know if you remember MSN Messenger. It's kind of like, yeah, so we have that MSN Messenger relationship where you come home, instead of doing your homework, you're on MSN Messenger. The weird thing is we'd never talk in school. That's how weird it was. That's how much I feared God, by the way. I just couldn't touch her. I couldn't hold her hand. But when I'm home, it's like we're talking for hours. But when we're in school, we walk right past each other. It was the weirdest relationship I'd ever been in my life. But we, we loved it. And then one morning I woke up, 4 a.m., 5 in the morning, and God spoke to me, said, Tony, you asked me for so many things about this lady. I said, yeah. He said, you know, you missed one thing. I said, what? He said, that she loves me. Mm. And I was like, ah. So I went downstairs to see if she was awake. And lo and behold, she was on Messenger. And so I'm, it's in my book, Eat Sleep Prophesy Repeat. So I'm talking to her. And, and I said, you know, I, I asked God for you. She's like, God? I was like, yeah. It's like, and you know, he told me that you're not sleeping tonight and that I should come down here and talk to you. She was like, God said that to you? I said, wow. yeah. And then he said, well, if he said that to you, he should be able to tell you why I can't sleep. So I said, that's so true. So I sit back in my chair and I said, okay, God, please just, you know, why, why did you wake me up to speak to her? And why can't she sleep? All of a sudden her life flashed. You know, when you say some, your whole life flashed before your eyes, her whole life flashed before my eyes. And it was right. in small glimpses, but I was catching a hold of each one. And I'm typing this as I'm seeing it. I'm a touch typer. I don't have to look at the keyboard to type. So I, I got that quite early on. So I'm typing as I'm seeing. And I just see mom, when she was this age, she was uh, raped by this relative. And then wow. she turned this age and she dated this guy who beat her up. And then she mm. did this. So I'm typing this. And the only person she told was the nurse at, at school. And her exact words in response were, what the blank? Oh, my goodness. And, uh, that was my last conversation with her. That was like, I, it's in my book called, I think it was a chapter about how God broke me up from my girlfriend. But it was, it was that, that all of a sudden the prophetic became very much apparent to me that it was real. I love that on so many levels. I mean, number one, I think your foundation of that reverence of the Lord, I think is so key. And, that, and that's, that might be a topic of another conversation, but I love just how conversational, how natural you just lean back in your chair. You know, I've uh, taught and equipped people on prophetic evangelism. I've, I've released it. I'm about to re-release it with a new rewrite, but right. just that thing of being able to hear God on the fly, you know, like a lot of times you hear people, I was at the altar. I heard the Lord. And, you know, my insistence is that uh, you don't have to leave the altar. The altar goes with you, you know. Amos 9.1, Amos says, I saw the Lord standing at the altar. And if God is always with us, then that means we can have those altar moments. And you, you, the, that word, oh my God, I love that. Hey, tell me, now I'm kind of moving into the, obviously the theme of this podcast is review year, preview year. And so this year, 
2020, as you, this is going to be the last podcast of us in 2020, what stood out this year in terms of national events that have prophetic implications? And what do you sense, uh, kind of a secondary question, what do you sense that God is saying or doing in the church? It's obviously a year that we've got global pandemic and all the, all the restrictions and things. And I think you mentioned to me, you guys are on full lockdown there in London. Is that right? Right, we're on a, what's called a tier four lockdown, which literally is just made up. I mean, we just keep climbing up numbers. Like, I just wonder if at tier ten we'd reach the purge and we'd all start like chasing each other. But yeah, we're in lock. We're in total lockdown. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's ghost town in most parts, but there are some arrests happening. We've been we've been advised by our secretary of state to snitch on our neighbors if we find anybody um, celebrating Christmas. God forbid that we can celebrate Christmas and with oh our families. It's just, it's horrible. It's really horrible what's going on. But answer your question, what stood out to me um, more so that has implications? It's just so many things that I could, could hop on. But probably the one thing I would hop on is um, there is there is a great awakening. Mm. And for me, that is the pivotal thing that I see in 2020 that's taken place. Um, and the reason for the Great Awakening has been something quite disturbing that I, I don't know if it's prophetic or if it's observational. I don't think you need to be a prophet to observe it. But I think, you know, I was studying this word blasphemy, really interesting word. It kind of just always said we know what it meant. It's like the anointing. We know what it means. Benny Hinn wrote a million books about it. So why do we need to study it? Right. right and so right. I just decided, let me check what it means. So I looked in, in the Strong's Concordance and blasphemy comes from two words, blasphemos. And it means to switch. Wow. And what that, right? I thought it meant to use the Lord's name in vain. That's what I, how I was raised. But when you check it in Strong's, it says to switch. And blasphemos literally means to call something good evil and something evil good. Mm. So anytime you are blaspheming, you are switching out good things as evil and evil things as good. Wow. And I think what I have observed in 2020 is not the degradation of society. It's not the pandemic. It's what the pandemic has revealed that was always there. Wow. This is not... We're not in the worst time. We're in the we're in the time where everything that was already there is just being made manifest. Mm. I mean, people who have people who say in 2020 my marriage got really bad. No, it was probably always bad. You're probably just traveling too much or working too hard in your nine to five to even notice uh, how many cracks were there. Until now, we're in quarantine. We're in lockdown. We have to face each other and 24 hours and breathe in each other's oxygen and carbon dioxide and and then we realize gosh this is this has never been healthy this boundary was ne this thing that we we distracted ourselves from was never good and wow. so you know in 2020 i don't call it the year of disaster i call it the year of realization it's the wake-up call it's mm. it's god trying to put us back in the place where we realize that he's going to shake everything that can be shaken come on bro. and for years, I think we built these props that made us feel okay. It's like that scripture, the form of godliness. So we figured out the format, not realizing that God isn't raising up stereotypes. He's raising up prototypes. And a stereotype, Ooh. I think 
when we look at Hollywood and we look at all of them, they figured out the stereotype of Christianity. You know, those people right. who shout in tongues and they even worked out our speaking in tongues, most of them. And they, they've kind of made these stereotypes. Oh, you're one of them. One of who? All those Christian types. But I, I think I said this in 2018, and it couldn't have rung more true in 2020, that the greatest danger of our time is that we've conformed everyone to church and future Christ. Wow. And when it, when it comes to the year we're in right now, it's really exposing the enabled from the empowered. It's separating that group of people who have been fed that, that cold Sunday sermon from those people who are actually going back to see if what the apostle said with true and building up the muscle that's necessary for where we are right now. I think God is, I think God is shaking us. I think he's, um, he's, and you know, another thing I was studying is where it says, I'll shake what can be shaken and that which cannot be shaken will remain. And some translations say that is created things. But when you look at the original, it says that is manufactured things and manufactured comes from two words, manufacture, which means made by human hands. Anything that involves uh, flesh, any structure that was built on earth that wasn't a part of heaven, it was a good idea, but it wasn't what God was building. It was that building yes. in vain. God is shaking it now, and he's shifting us from our comfort zone, and he's releasing a great awakening. And I think part of the awakening that he is releasing, you know, the world has their variant of the awakening called being woke. I think the awakening is counteracting the awakening that we're seeing in the world today. And it's raising up people who have eyes to see the strength of the enemy. And what is the strength of the enemy? The strength of the enemy is in his euphemism. Euphemisms is the substitution of terms for less harmful ones. So... You see, the, the strength and the solidarity and how Satan has always won is through the power of deception. Deception isn't evil. People who go to hell aren't evil. Contrary to popular opinion, the Bible says people who go to hell are deceived, all those who Satan deceived. Deception is the syncretism or the symbiosis between good and evil. So you, you, there's no discernible difference. And so wow. you see, with, with Adam and Eve, he gave them the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't evil. If, if it was so obviously evil, they wouldn't have fallen for it. It was the, the fact that evil had found a way to kind of symbiotically live parasitically upon good to the point that embracing the good meant that you also had to take the bad deal of the evil as well. And that is the great switch, the blasphemos wow. that I think the enemy has done in 2020. He has painted evil in good. And part of what the remnant is, and you know, I think we're talking prophetically a lot about the remnant. The remnant are the people who can see the supernatural when everybody else sees the superficial. We've had this kind of move, you know, we have BLM, we've had Antifa, we've had feminism, and all of the isms, and every single one of them have a common thread. They all focus on superficial qualities to garner representation. That's the mm. purpose of that. Paul speaking says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Jesus speaking to Peter saying, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And so the remnant see beyond the superficial. They are not signing or subscribing to something because it's their color, 
because it's their gender, because it's their creed, but because the Holy Spirit said it. And like Paul said, hereby we know no one after the flesh. And so many people are going to be deceived because what stands upon the pulpits and what stands upon the structures of power if it's not representative of their superficial quality, they'll abandon it as evil. And in that lies the great switch because wow. the enemy will put things in position uh, to, to pander to the carnal Christian, but not the supernatural Christian who sees beyond the outward aspect. Wow. And I think I love that fact that you were bringing out that, and I think you used another word, but it's kind of been a year, you said the year of reality, year of exposure. You know, I was right. just having a conversation uh, with my in-laws and, and my wife and, and tragically, you know, you, you, it's a teammate. That's how I always look at it. I grew up playing sports and if a teammate went down with an injury, that's your teammate, man. It was like, you got yeah. injured, you got hurt. The whole team suffers. And we've seen yeah. pretty prominent ministers that, all of a sudden, there were things in their life that came to the forefront that we didn't know about. And so we've been listening yeah. to you preach. Uh, you've been high profile, these particular ministers. And, you know, I'm right along those lines. First of all, you know, you, it's like you take heed lest you stumble. You know, you, you're not, you're, it's a teammate. Absolutely. You're saddened. But I just think exposure, it really is a year of exposure. And, and some people, you're, yeah. they're afraid of exposure. But I think in the same way that David was on the backside of a desert worshiping God, taking care of a sheep, uh, he had his moment of exposure. And what I mean by that mm. is he had been faithfully worshiping God, uh, honoring God, tending to the purpose that God had for him. And so when that anointing party came for Samuel, he goes down from all the brothers and find out, nope, you're not the one, you're not the one. Do you have another son or am I missing this? Yeah. And God, you know, let him know, hey, there's David. And so I feel like exposure can be a thing that could be fearful. I think all of us walk and should walk with a, a level of fear of the Lord in our hearts. But also, you know, there are many people out there that have been faithful, they've been doing what God's called them to do. And this virus, this year, 2020, that everybody wants to recall, I actually believe that, uh, and, and I felt this word, that we look at it and there's so many things that are falling apart, but I felt like God is reintroducing us to the sovereignty of God. I believe there's going to be an army of believers that are going to be built on this foundation of understanding the sovereignty of God. And what we see is falling apart. God is saying it's really falling together because God is yeah. building something that he's after. And, and it, obviously it, it's at the heart. I love what you're saying, man, in terms of there in the UK and this, the body of Christ where you're at, you obviously have a perspective you're in. They say the old adage, if you want to know the condition of the aquarium, you don't ask the fish because that's all they know. So I kind of want to ask you as, as both a prophet and a mighty man of God, you know, we in the United States, we are the fish in our own fishbowl. And sometimes it's hard to yeah. see and really discern because you need, you need context, you need contrast. From your right. perspective and kind of what you're sensing, what, what do you see that's going on uh, in, in this nation, in our nation, the United States of America? I'll be honest with you. And it's, it's very hard for me to to be honest in today's age, because I think the danger of honesty is that people mistake you for a partisan. I don't have skin in the game, but I do. And I think a lot of people do. Um, and I'll, I'll say it because of this. I think a lot of people are hooked, so hooked on the sovereignty of God that they miss the conditionality of God. Um, I, I did a prophetic harbinger called 18 Prophetic Things for America that will happen in 2020. And there were so many things that the Lord said. 
Um, I mean, I remember having a clear vision of Marcella passing away. I only told my office. Wow. And then I put it out and I said, one like Reinhard Bunke will die. I didn't say the name because you don't want to be unwise and do that. I just said one like Reinhard Bunke in the healing movement will pass away and will symbolize the passing from one generation to the next. I gave a couple of things about RGB and a new swing vote seat in, in the Supreme Court that God was raising up. But I also said a couple of things that were conditional. And I think two, two of the things were conditional. And I think in the sovereignty of God and everybody getting amazed at God's sovereignty, we miss God's conditionality. And, and part, of, part of my sorrow, and I'm deeply sorrowful, actually, I have been for a couple of days and weeks in this preparation of this prophetic word that I'll be releasing. It's hard not to. Um, be sorrowful as I'm so used to being the incurable optimist. And then I'm writing this prophetic word that I haven't released yet because I'm still waiting for the hope and the optimism. So I can at least say there is hope in your end. And there is, I believe there is. But part of, I guess, as, as somebody who's looking outside in where it's not so nebulous and I can, I kind of, you know, the person who outside the house, not smelling the carbon monoxide inside the house, right. I can say this. I believe that what happened in America is a precursor of a perfect storm. And the perfect storm was racism. The perfect storm was coronavirus. And the perfect storm was national election. And I believe in that moment of anxiety, people are more likely to react than they are to respond. True. And so there is this reflex fight or flight that has kicked in that has led to this reaction. And part of the concern from the outside in is I believe that God works in structures and in order. And most people think God works with anybody and he does but you know bosses i saw that there was no man and so people who think god doesn't need a man he actually couldn't see a man to the point that he had to become a man and die as a man just so he could rise again so 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 there is protocols and order and structure to the way god works he doesn't just point his big index finger in and move things out of the way there has to be agreement and that's part of the it's the biggest part of the prophetic is agreement Prophetically, I think we're in a constitutional crisis in America. I believe America doesn't trust its prophets anymore. And that's heartbreaking. I believe that there's a, a coming race war in the prophetic movement that's probably going to go, go in the undertone and in the silent place. Uh, but it, it, it probably needs to have a healing movement. I'm praying that fathers and elders rise up to heal that divide. But also... I think what happened in America from the outside in is when we talk about the T word, the Trump word, yeah. I think America and the, didn't just lose something. I think the world lost something in that moment. I think we lost the last standing leader of the free world. Mm, wow. And that's a really, for me, that is not a personal statement. That is a prophetic statement. I believe we lost the last standing leader of the free world. And can God recircle hope for the future? I actually believe he's going to do that. But I think we lost something. And in that departure, and I know I'm going to upset some people with this because I think we, we look at it from a narrative of racism. And when right. we see things through that lens, it's very know. difficult to stand back and go, okay, what's actually taking place? I think in that landscape, 
what we're going to see is a greater and a more emboldened. I actually wrote this down. I was driving into the office and I had this vision that troubled me. In this vision, I saw the word 2021, the year that prime ministers become presidents and presidents become kings. Wow. And what that meant when I asked the Lord about it, he said that without a hope for change and agreement in the earth, there is going to be a greater emboldening of world leaders to make very dramatic and chaotic and authoritarian decisions. Wow. And not just under the guise of COVID-19, actually. Wow. I saw the guys switching from COVID-19 uh, to another pandemic being global warming. And that those two together becoming the, the greater push for powers to be given to leadership. And I'm just going to say this and probably run away and let whatever repair you need to do be done. I love you, bro. I actually... I believe prophetically when I was praying about the elections for America, somebody asked me, who's going to win? I said, well, whoever whoever the people decide is going to win, because that's the truth. <laughs> right. It's an election. And so, but, you know, the Bible says that the lot may be cost, but the victory is from God. So I do believe there's a place in the prophetic for every democratic process. And so as I'm praying, I was really praying against the spirit of Absalom. My. And what is the spirit of Absalom? Absalom was beautiful. That's what the Bible says. That's how he was sold. And again, it comes back to the power of euphemism. Satan gives us aesthetically what we want. Mm. And I think we have to remember this about Satan. People call Satan's God's worship angel. Satan was two things, the Bible says. He was perfect in wisdom and full of beauty. Yes. Full of beauty, perfect in wisdom. He was a double threat. Those are two things you don't hear today. Either you have a really beautiful person with no brains, or you have a really <laughs> brainy person and just no beauty. And sometimes when right. you're in the dating game, you just want to marry the, the, the content of this one with the beauty of this one. And you, we don't always get we're not always Sean Smiths who have the double threat, and we're lucky to get the girl who's who's got the the beauty and the brains together. Can I get an amen? And so, amen. And you think, did that too. And, and me too. Yes. So it's a rare thing. So this man, but this man was not just beautiful and brainy; he was perfect in both. I mean, just stop that. And then you go further, and he says, "Until you traded your wisdom on account of your beauty." So now mm. we have to understand. All Satan is obsessed with is outward appearance. Wow. All Satan is obsessed with is beauty. That's why the Bible calls him the God of this world. And in my book, I talk about that. That's why I call it cosmopolitan Christian, because the word world is where we get the word cosmetics from. So he is the God of, of makeup, cosmetics, aesthetics. Hmm. Think about Jezebel about to be killed. Her, you know, most of us, if we're about to be killed and Jehu's coming, we're going for the gun or the knife. She's going for the makeup pen because hmm. everything in the kingdom of darkness is optics. It's aesthetics. It's appearances. It's what color is in leadership. It's what gender is in leadership. It's what sexual preference is in leadership. And that's how Satan has always won through the power of branding and aesthetics. And prophets often fall for this too. You know, Samuel's like, like you said, when he was looking for who to be anointed, he said, surely God's anointed with Eliab because right. he says, I don't look at the outward appearance. That's the difference between the prophet and carnal church is that when you're carnal, everything is about 
about optics. You know, it's not about results. It's about optics, what looks good. And that's why Jesus came and nobody recognized him because they were looking for something more optically convincing. Uh, The fact that you had to kiss him just to discern which one was him because he wasn't optically what they were expecting. And he meets a woman at a well and says, you're a Jew. He says, no, I'm a gift of God. There's something beyond my optics. And if you get it beyond racism and sexism and feminism and all of the isms and schisms that the enemy tries to divide us in, we might we can progress. And I think what happened in 2020 was the enemy presented an Absalom and the Absalom stood at the gate and said, Oh, perfect storm. We need justice. We need change. We need justice for black lives. We need justice for, and it's genuine grievances people brought to Absalom that the king didn't answer. Oh, if there was only someone in the land who would listen to these grievances. And the Bible says something very pivotal that I think is prophetic for America. The Bible says men followed Absalom who did not know his true course. Wow. I actually believe prophetically that we are getting ready to see the exposure of the true course of the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris campaign. And you, America is going to realize that this was not for America. This was for the world. Wow. And um, you're going to hear this president talk about we got to take care of the planet. We've got to take care of the globe. We've got to take care of the world. We've got to take care of this. We've got to take care of that. Because when you look at a man who won and there were very few policies he was, you know, willing to put out, he actually does have policy. And um, on a nosedive of his policy, it's Build Back Better. Build Back Better was not his term. Build Back Better was devised by the World Economic Forum years before him by a man called Strauss who is the founder of the World Economic Forum. Mm. And he believes in a new system of government, according to the World Economic Forum that was hosted last year and this year, that um, the world needs to be managed by a group of elites who decide um, what's called stakeholder capitalism, which is just another fanciful word for socialism. That I believe that is the swing we're going into. The decision we, America has made, has potentially swung the world from capitalism to a socialist structure that may actually succeed because we have more technology available than ever. The only way for this structure to succeed is in cancel culture. It cannot succeed if there's dissent. One one glitch in the system, it can't succeed. And it's sad that you know we haven't learned from the lessons of the past, but I do believe it's redeemable. Um, I believe God's going to give America one more chance to decide, but America's elections was not just America's elections. It was the world's election. Wow. Tell me, man, there's things you hit on the insight that's profound. And I, I, I really did. I really feel like this past election, it was it was really one of those, whether we recognize it or not, it was threshold moment. And I, I, I feel like as a nation uh, and as a body of Christ, uh, we more than ever, we need God. The good that can come from it as it, as it stands right now, you know, I, I think the latest is electoral uh, Congress you know, basically saying that, okay, Biden has won. This is the way it's going to be. And it would look like that that would stand barring some sort of uh, exposure and, and thing that would come out. And and I feel like in the midst of all of it, the body of Christ, uh, you know, they prayed, they sought the Lord, but I, I feel like we're going to have to really pray, really get on yeah. our face, really seek the Lord, because there, there are two ways to look at it. And I think another way that we have to begin to look at it, if that's our course and our lot, 
is that you have to understand that the real command control center for any nation, you know, for like say for us, is not the Oval Office, it's not the Pentagon, uh, it's the prayer room. You know, it's the Second Chronicles seven fourteen. My people called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. You, God says, I will hear from heaven, forgive your sins, and heal your land. And so, man, that's so profound. Wow. Almost don't want to move on from that, but hey, I want to throw one more thing because we are talking about review preview and what do you sense God is saying for 2021? Give us a preview, Tommy. Okay, so I started off, I believe that there's going to be a new global consortium of leaders together. Um, and I'm not just talking about leaders of government. It's leaders of government with leaders of tech, with leader, leaders of science. And they're all going to formulate a new technocratic society. And, wow. and we're going to switch very quickly from this kind of democratic convenience to this new kind of um, technocratic convenience. And my prayer is that Again, I, I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful here when I say this. My prayers that the prayers of the saints can stall. Last year, I had a dream, and in the dream, I was, and I've shared this on our platform, and I was in the dream. I was looking for an exit, and it only makes sense to me now. The whole shopping mall was on lockdown, and there was no way out. Oh and, and that dream only makes sense to me now where we are. So it, it really helped me understand it. I couldn't find a way out, but there was only one door in this whole shopping center. And it was like a huge mall, like the American ones. And uh, it was a staff exit. So I go through the staff exit. It says, staff only do not enter. And as I enter it, I see Satan. Wow. And he's wearing a suit. I'll never forget he was wearing a suit. And uh, he was just sitting in darkness in a corner. The only thing that was lit up was a soldering iron. Uh, wow. I don't know if you've ever smelt the soldering iron smell when it's welding metal to something, but there's a distinct nauseating smell. And I remember smelling that distinct smell as he's soldering this thing together. And then he looks up and he does a t double take, like, how did you get in here? And I'm so, I was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, we're on lockdown. There's no way out. Uh, I'm just trying to get out the mall so I can go home. And um and as I'm talking, I'm looking at what he's doing, and I see this thing in his hand, big, bold letters on the box, and it says RFID. Never heard that word in my life, but I'm, I'm like, he looks scared. And, you know, when someone looks scared, you want to know what they're doing. And so right. I see this, and I don't ask him any questions. Like, I'm so sorry. And then he gets up, and he calls for guards to chase me out, and I just run, and then I wake up. And... Um, I went to Google, as you do, uh, Googled RFID, and I found that RFID stands for Radio Frequency Identification. Mm -hmm. And I know this is kind of weirdly otherworldly and sounds conspiratorial in nature, but I actually believe that God was giving me a short window into a broadening of surveillance freedom that was coming in 2021. Wow. And it was going to be through, obviously, tech giants that this kind of broadening in freedoms was going to come. And the idea of privacy was going to begin to decay as an idea. And um, there were going to be all kinds of new policies that were being set all over the world. And it would seem like everybody's setting the same policy. You know, mm. policies against hate speech, policies against hate think all of these weird things were, were wow. uh, beginning to take place. Then the Lord started to speak to me about my studio. He was telling me about um, how expensive it was to soundproof it because we're paying this huge bill just to get it soundproofed. And at first I was angry, like, why are we talking about 
soundproofing of my office when I'm trying to tell you, ask you about nations. And so the Lord quickly rebuked me and he said, you don't get to determine the grounds of this conversation I do. And so I repented quickly. I said, okay, what is it about the soundproof? He said, I am soundproofing my church wow. and it's going to be expensive. And I'm separating the noises from the voices. My. That, that was a, a key word. And the Lord said, this will be a time for fine-tuning my bride to release the sound of distinction. And the, the measurement of success is changing. Now, this was really interesting. Mm. The measurement of success is changing. And the Lord said, where well, the measurement of success was church growth and church attendance, the new measurement of success will be persecution. Wow. Oh, my. There's, there's more. But that was a, a lot of the bulk of what I was sensing. I, I just believe that if pending prayer, a miracle doesn't happen and God gives us more time. Really, let, let's just face it. All Trump is is more time. Trump gets elected, we have more time. Trump doesn't get elected, we have less time. That's that's it. Wow. He's not he's not God. He's, he's more time. He is for all intents and purposes. He was a Cyrus who didn't know God, but God knew him. Mm. And you know, when you talk about loosening the loins of kings, that word actually in the Hebrew means to make kings poo themselves. Wow. That was what. I mean, th there's a word for that in the world, but I won't say it because we don't have a beat machine. But he literally, Cyrus, at the mention of Cyrus's name, kings would poo themselves. Wow. And I think what Trump represented to the world global system was something that made leaders poo themselves. I mean, nobody was more frantic than during that time. And really what Trump is for the church is more time or less time. Wow. And if what happens after January happens and Trump miraculously gets reelected, the church has more time. Right. If he doesn't get reelected, the church has less time. Yeah. And what that means if we have less time is according to the scripture, we have to learn to redeem the time. And that means we have to buy the time back quickly. We can no longer say these are the end times. This is what the Bible said is going to come. Actually, we have to move into a completely different gear of thinking. And it would be, I'd be sad if I didn't say this gear of thinking or what it is. So let me just say in a few short sentences. This new gear of thinking has got to force us into a place, and this is going to sound really strange me saying this, but where we masterfully and tactfully learn how to maneuver us our way around the props and the cosmet by utilizing the same cosmetics that the enemy utilizes upon the enemy. Wow. And, and that means like, like Daniel like Esther, we can no longer afford just to be spiritually apt. We have got to be intellectually sophisticated as well and technologically sophisticated because the world we're stepping into, we have to read more than the Bible. And I know that sounds really strange, but we have to learn to translate Bible into Babel. And Daniel had more knowledge so and good, sophistication. Man because he had all kinds of learning and all kinds of literature. And I believe the church has got to upgrade dramatically its revelation and its relevance. And the, the, the truth is, Joseph was, you could not get rid of Joseph. He was inexpendable. 
She was in, you could not dispose of Esther. She was an expendable because she made herself too valuable to be thrown away. And right now, I believe the church has got to upgrade itself in knowledge and understanding and in wisdom for the world that we're getting ready to step into. We can't just go around sounding conspiratorial. We have to learn to maneuver the props. My goodness. So appreciative of that. Tell me, how can our listeners and how can we stay in touch? You mentioned your your new book, but any way that we can support you and keep in touch with you? Um, there's the uh, Rig Nation app. You can download, search Rig Nation in your app, Apple and Android store. And, and uh, we, since the whole, uh, a lot of things that's happened, we've, we've almost reached 30,000 downloads on the app so far. And so we've got a growing, thriving community on there. And then there is our regular social media. So you can find me, just search at Tell Me Arimi or Rig Nation Official and you'll see us there. Um, but my new book is called The Cosmopolitan Christian. It's, it's, um, it's probably the most pivotal book I've written. Wow. Very hard to write. It took me three years to write it. Usually I'm a much faster writer, but this one took me three years um, because it was just, um, it was so, it's not a light read. It's a very, uh, in, you must be engaged to capture what the book is talking about. It's more of a study. Wow. And so I think. I'd encourage anybody to just download that book. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's on our website, rignation.org. We're putting it in iBooks soon and audiobooks soon. And I highly recommend Keep It 100 Nation. You want to get this book, Cosmopolitan Christian, and as well his Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, Repeat. I have told people it is in my reading on the prophetic, the most profound book on the prophetic, hearing the voice of God, and really giving you tools to step out in prophetic giftings and equip you. You need to get that book as well. And Rig Nation app, I've, I've downloaded it. I got it. And he's got a phenomenal YouTube channel. Tell me, man, I love you, bro. Love yeah. you too. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Love to Krista as well. Ooh. Come on, he threw so much at us. That was like rich, but more than rich, it was like, this is, they made you think. You know, Keep It 100, we called this podcast Keep It 100. And let me just tell you, Tommy kept it 100. Come on. He was real, he was uncut, he was raw, unfiltered, and that you have to appreciate someone that's drawing a line in the sand and in a time when a lot of forces are trying to erase the lines. So I was so appreciative that he took the time yeah. To jump on with us live from London, he Come was with on. us. And you know, I think it's great when we hear people that think different than we do and have a different perspective. I think it's healthy and I think it's wise where you have a different perspectives and angles. And I love that Tommy brought his angle and it might be different to many listeners today, but I love that we at Keep It 100 do that and we offer that. This is actually one of my favorite things. As always, we have a call to action. We have a Keep It 100 takeaway. And the real takeaway that we want you to walk away with from this episode is really understanding God is doing an awakening. All over the nations, God has awakened the bride of Christ, which for some of you don't know that term, that's the church. The church has been awakened on a very personal level. And you know, Sean and I, you and I were talking, we were laughing. Did people wake up different, right? People wake up different. My wife, Krista, for <laughs> listeners, she is an immediate wake up. She wakes up in the morning and goes, bing. And that means she's right, wide I awake, am. fully gone. 
fully ready to run. I wake up 100% awake. But contrast that, how do I wake up? (laughs) Well, we joke around, it's like one eye. And it's like half mass one eye. He like pops open one eye slightly. And then I know he's he's awake, but he might still go back to sleep. And then slowly he'll open up the second eye. And then he might eventually talk. But it is a process and it's very gradual. You know, when I first wake up, my wife will attest it, I grunt before I talk. <laughs> it does. And in the same way that different people had different processes to waking up, I feel like 2020 and the takeaway from what Tommy was bringing out, he said that this 2020 was a year of awakening. I feel like we're seeing how different people in the body of Christ wake up. My wife is a bing. She's immediately up. Yep. So spiritually, there are many people that immediately once the whole pandemic, once the whole situation with uh, racial in- inequities, the whole thing of what take place in the uh, political arena, et cetera, some people started waking up. But what you have to understand is that when you want to wake someone up, the first thing you do is usually call their name. And I feel like God has been calling the church. Mm. But if you if they don't respond, we all know what we do next. We walk over to that person, we shake them. So if they're in bed, and we're saying it's time to get up, brother. You're calling out your son, your daughter. Yeah. You you call their name, they don't respond. Then you walk over and shake them. And I feel like God began calling us out 2018, 2019. Wow. We didn't fully respond. So 2020, guess what? The Holy Ghost put his hand on the church and shook us. Everything mm-hmm. that can be shaken will be shaken. So what? That which is unshakable will remain. And so I feel like we have to understand God is waking us up. And I, I love to say this, and I believe it's so true. We were not meant to get out of 2020 without having left something behind, without being stripped, purged, repented, because this is a time that we tighten up our connection to God. You know, and when you look at past history of Great Awakenings, we see that Great Awakenings have really stripped people from empty rituals and really that outside, you know, external performance of Christianity. And it's made their Christian walk very personal. And it's brought people a deeper connection and the commitment to a new standard of personal morality and even holiness. When we look at past history, we're beginning to see the percolating of that. We're beginning to see that same a rising of a deep conviction for the things of God, for the presence of God, a hunger and a pursuit, beginning to awaken in the bride, for there has been more prayer that has happened this year in the church than ever before. And there's been a mobilization where the prayer movement in some, you know, a decade ago that was going strong kind of waned. It's picked back up. There's been a whole new host of harvests of souls and salvations. We're seeing people get awakened. And we want you to know, uh, don't miss this moment. Don't go casually out of 2020 into 2021. Keep it 100. Let's go deeper as we walk into the new year. So if there are things in your personal life that need to come into alignment, that need to be surrendered, take this moment at the end of this podcast and get right with God. If there is double-mindedness or double standards in your walk, this is the time to step into holiness. This is the time to walk in total alignment because friends, we do not have time to waste. God is awakening the bride. Allow yourself to be fully awakened to the things of God. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. And you don't want to miss next week as we unpack part two of this year in review, next year preview. Sean and I are going to share with you what we sense God is laying on our hearts for 2021. 
fun. And also starting in season two of 2021, we're going to be having our episodes actually come out twice a month, the first and third Tuesdays of every month. And we're doing this because we really want to be intentional about the content that we're putting out. Hey, Keep 100 listeners, we trust you had a great Christmas and you have a happy new year. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep